there, New Mexico. Truth seekers, freedom fighters, defenders of liberty, deplorables, lizard people, and ultra magas too. I'm your host, Becca Marie, and you are listening to Freedom Speak. The forces of evil are attempting to manipulate us through false propaganda, division, and fear tactics. We are unrestrained, unashamed, unrelenting, unapologetic, and unafraid. On Conservative Talk, ABQ, KDAZ 96.9 FM, AM 700, and listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. Check out my website at its new location, freedomspeaknm.com, where you can listen to playbacks of any of my previous shows as well as other useful resources. You can get the freedom-friendly business list, which I really like that one. And now you can also get the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple iTunes. You can send me your questions and comments and get started advertising by emailing me at becca at freedomspeaknm.com. So, been uh, thinking a lot about um, how these politicians, they seem to play by a different set of rules than the rest of us do. Seems like things that the rest of us would do that would get us landed in jail and have probably the FBI goon squad coming to our house with, uh, with military-type assault weapons and military vehicles and, and handcuffing us and shackling us and having little red dots all, of our, all over our bodies and all over our family and dragging us out of bed in the middle of the night. No, that sort of stuff doesn't happen to these elite politicians. In a quote by Benjamin Franklin after the signing of the U.S. Constitution, he stated, I agree to this Constitution, and I believe further that this is likely to be well administered for a course of years and can only end in despotism, as other forms have done before it when the people shall become so corrupted as to need despotic government being incapable of any other. One of the most remarkable observations in the study of history is the caution and warnings that are always given by founders of great civilizations. It seems that those who lay foundations for great civilizations are quite aware of the seeds of pride, selfishness, and contention in human nature, which over time usually begin to manifest themselves in society, even good societies. These founders, realizing the tendency of human nature to degenerate, have always closed their public ministries with solemn warnings of the dire consequences of departing from the lofty ideals they established. Today I'm questioning if maybe people deserve the suffering that's coming for them. The price we pay for our apathy and indifference and in that we are going to be ruled or maybe even killed by evil men or people these evil despots love the fact that many of you like to watch this real-life game of death from the sidelines or the cheap seats. I call it a game today because that's what it is to those who mean to subjugate you. They know that most of you will remain indifferent until it's too late. To me, this is no game but a war. And although just a few shots have been fired in the traditional sense, in the form of mass shootings, 60 million of you have been shot in the arm up to four times. Millions are dead in this war, and yet many of you wait in line patiently for whatever awaits you in the big room through the double doors. 
All the while, ash rains down on your head like snow. The answer to my question above is, no, you don't deserve it, but it's coming for you anyway. They feed you your pound of flesh to silence and control your indignation, and yet those responsible are laughing at your lassitude and indifference. Those that don't know the definition of lassitude, it is a condition of weariness or debility and a condition characterized by lack of interest, energy, or spirit. Remember our discussion about cognitive dissonance last week? Yes, Ghislaine Maxwell has been convicted for her part in supplying young girls for evil men and women to mentally decimate. But what about the pedophiles themselves? Even though the public ire has been silenced, those predators are still on the prowl. When you have the power and influence to be above the law and the money to find more little girls to violate, as well as the means to manipulate the public, you can do anything you want. The powerful people involved in this activity will never be held accountable. Why, you ask? Because in this country, we have a two-tier criminal justice system. Those in power determine who gets prosecuted and who does not. Obviously, those who run the justice system don't want to prosecute themselves or their corrupt friends. How about I mention a few examples? According to a report from the New York Post, a pair of, a pair of lawyers who torched an empty NYPD vehicle amid protests in Brooklyn of the death of George Floyd, by the way, he was a, he was a thug, he was a criminal, they pled guilty to conspiracy charges in a deal with federal prosecutors. The attorneys identified as Collinford Mattis, and I hope I pronounce this right, Uruj Rahman, each pled guilty to counts of conspiracy to commit arson and to make and possess an unregistered destructive device for firebombing the police van on May 30th, 2020. Reportedly, the pair of lawyers were initially facing domestic terrorism charges with the possibility of doing 30 years of jail time. The new plea agreement will likely result only in a few years of jail time. What some legal experts find bizarre is that the plea agreement reduced an earlier plea agreement for a more serious offense. In 2021, Rahman and Mattis pleaded guilty to one count of possessing and making an explosive device, which carries a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison. With the new plea agreement, they were allowed to withdraw the earlier plea and instead plead guilty to conspiring to assemble the Molotov cocktail and damage the NYPD patrol vehicle. I've never heard of withdrawing a previous plea deal and then making a new plea deal. That's, that's a new one to me. By the way, I want to remind you all that to this day, if you type in Antifa.com into your web browser, it still takes you to WhiteHouse.gov. Compare this to the harsh position taken by the Joe, Joe Biden Justice Department and those accused of rioting on January 6, 2021. Attorney General Merrick Garland cited the threat to police officers in pledging an unprecedented effort to charge and convict those involved on any level in the riot. Many of these people have been held in isolation in a D.C. gulag for over a year without due process, without bail, without visitation, 
without the ability to personally groom themselves, some of them are literally having to bite their own fingernails off and denied their constitutional rights without being convicted of any crime. Another example of the two-tier justice system is when defendant Mike Flynn, who was the national security advisor for former President Donald Trump, was pressured to plead guilty to lying to the FBI. And by the way, you know, when the FBI came into his office to talk to him, they made, it, made him believe it was just a, oh, we're just having a conversation. He had no idea he was being interrogated. He was denied his rights. Yet the FBI's then Deputy Director Andrew McCabe was allowed to escape any punishment for allegedly lying during an internal investigation. In another recent example of disparate treatment, former Trump economic advisor Peter Navarro, a 72-year-old academic with a spotless criminal record, was handcuffed and shackled after being indicted for contempt of Congress for refusing to comply with a congressional subpoena. Now, by the way, for those that you haven't been paying attention to the news, he told them, well, yeah, I'll, I'll comply, but I want to make sure that I'm not uh, violating uh, a, uh, a privilege. Uh, I can't remember. It, it Basically, uh, pre presidential privilege in which you know, it's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to talk about stuff I'm not supposed to talk about. He didn't want to violate the law by talking about things he wasn't supposed to talk about. <clears throat> Yet just a decade earlier, then Attorney General Eric Holder escaped punishment when the Department of Justice, which was his own department, declined to prosecute him for defying a similar congressional subpoena. Oh, there we go. You know how I was talking about those in power don't want to prosecute themselves? Peter Navarro was charged with contempt of Congress by monopartisan committee. He got no one to speak on his behalf. I thought that was a constitutional right. He got shackles. Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress by a bipartisan vote of 255 to 67. He went out to dinner that same night. And DC wonders why people believe in the swamp. Ben Weidgarten, a conservative writer, compared Navarro's arrest with the jury acquittal of former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman on a charge of lying to the FBI. Weingarten wrote, it sends an unmistakable message. We can get you anytime, anywhere, on any grounds we choose. You can't touch even a single one of ours. The greatest threat we face now is the fact that we have a mentally compromised, cognitively impaired, and I dare say, immoral man who wasn't too bright to begin with, with total control of our nuclear football. J. Robert Oppenheimer, the scientific director of the Manhattan Project, said, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. He said this because he knew that his invention, the nuclear bomb, in the hands of the wrong person could kill every living thing on this planet. We have a massive weight hanging over our heads. And in the case of Joe Biden, we choose a thin old rope to hold it up. The amount of apathy in the American people regarding this situation is monumentally mind-blowing. This man being in power is an example of ultimate deception and public manipulation. Then there's Hunter. I tried to research information on his hacked iCloud account to almost no avail. You may have heard about this, but most likely not. This is the now covered up, illegally hacked, but pertinent information about Hunter, which is truly disturbing.
Amazingly, he lists his dad's number under the name Pedo Pete. This information supposedly shows pictures of a foul nature and recordings of interactions with multiple prostitutes. Apparently, he spent $30,000 on call girls within five months. He was a busy guy. Of course, we will never know for sure because despite his depravity, he is protected by powerful shadow dwellers. In a quote from a, from a book written by Edward Bernays in 1928 entitled Propaganda, he stated, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes formed, and our ideas suggested largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society. In almost every act of our daily lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by this relatively small number of persons who understand the mental processes and social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind. You know, I've been watching a series on Paramount Plus, and, and I was thinking about this monologue I wrote, and I've been watching this series on Paramount Plus called Evil, and it was showing this social media company in which, well, it's kind of like a thing where you post things kind of like on TikTok, and then the company, they will take what you have viewed and they will decide what other things they're going to offer for you to view. And they were asking this woman that was running this company, they, they said, well, yeah, but I, I'm getting these, these videos that are progressively darker. And I, I'm, not, I'm not choosing to watch these sort of things. She said, yeah, but what happens is, is like, even though you didn't choose to watch that, that dark thing, is when that dark thing got, uh, you know, presented to you, even though you decided not to view it, you hesitated in selecting no, which meant you were actually interested. <laughs> so we give you more. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And we talk, we, you know, we hear about these algorithms all the time on social media. And how they manipulate the way people think. And, you know, they talk about how these algor algorithms are used to influence elections. And, you know, when you're on social media, those of you, those of you that do social media, you know, you get constantly, uh, certain things get brought to the front for you to look at and other things get suppressed. This is what they're doing. They, were, they are molding public opinion. So anyway, I've got... Corrine Rios in the studio with me today. She's my official guest co-host for the day. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. And ouch, that monologue was an ouch. I, I hope so. <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to wake people up with this stuff, you know, and I have my roommate pr uh, proofread this stuff for yeah. me first. It's uh -huh. like he said, boy, boy, that's going to that's gonna right. get some people's attention. Yeah, if I we're honest about ourselves, right? The apathy right. part, yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, for but sure. But half of the time, people don't really want to be honest with themselves, which is the problem. Yeah. Oh, I know. Totally. So we also have Allison Martinez in the studio with us. And I think she's going to be here for most of the show, and that's cool. Um, I'm taking her home, so she's got to be here well, for the whole show. So she, yeah, Kareem's her ride, so she's stuck. Sorry, sorry, Allison. Anyway, Allison is running for 13th Judicial District Judge. And uh, we need as many good judges mm -hmm. as we can. And, and I've got a lot of really great topics that I'm going to cover today, and I'm really, really... Uh, really anxious to hear her take on them, you know. So anyway, Allison, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Good morning. I um, am an attorney here in New Mexico. I've been practicing for 16 years and um, was recently uh, given the opportunity to um, be nominated by the Republican Party to run for district court judge in the 13th Hold on. Allison's having a little trouble with her mic. Um, anyway. Good, because... There we go. <laughs> is it plugged in? <coughs> All right, is. try it now. I think the plug is kind of loose. Okay. Go ahead. Can you hear me now? Yes, uh, we can. Sort of, yeah. It's go ahead. Quiet. Go ahead. I'm happy to be here. And um, really interested to hear... Uh, all the great topics that we're going to discuss today. Can we get it fixed? I think so. Okay. <laughs> yes, I can hear you now. Okay. 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 All right. So, Corrine, um, I know you, you made some notes during my open, and I know you've probably got some input to say on what I was talking about. Uh, yes, I have to make notes because, you know, I'm, I'm um, older and I forget things. I see. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think what just really hit, uh, hit me uh, was a few things, especially this apathy part. Um, and you are so right. Even in my own life, um, I had apathy and just was sitting on the sidelines, not really giving a hoot because I was so involved with my own little world and my own little life. You know, that's the, that's the, that's yes. the case with most people. Absolutely. They're so overwhelmed with their their own little bubble that they're yes. in. Yes. Yeah, I've mentioned that about bubbles. Exactly. And so what, what happens is that because we're not holding people accountable in every facet of our lives, faucet of our lives, facet, faucet. Faucet. Faucet, yeah. right? It's like a faucet. It's like a faucet. <laughs> it just never ends. Blast right? right? Now. Yeah. But in every aspect, not just in the political and governmental realms. If, as you were sitting there talking about most of the political, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking that happens in churches, that happens in families, that happens in the schools, even in the very um, school building, because I used to teach. Mm -hmm. This happens all the time. And then when we become um, apathetic, the power, um, the selfishness of some people takes over. Because we don't want to say anything. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. And yeah. that was me. Yeah. Literally, that was me. How shameful. I feel really bad about that, but, you know. You know, I think, I think I've been, I think we've all been guilty of that. I, I mm -hmm. know I've been guilty of that myself. And if, if nothing else, what has transpired over the past couple of years has really, really got me into this mode of self-examination. Mm-hmm where I've really, really taken a, tried to step away from myself and look at myself. It's like, how do other people see what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. How do other people see me? And it's like, is that the kind of person I want to be? 
and mm-hmm. you know you get too wrapped up in your own little bubble and you and, and I think a lot for us in America we have such American privilege mm-hmm. that we are so wrapped up in the next ball game the next uh, vacation the next big fat meal we're going to enjoy that we're so in it because we do have American privilege and I don't think people really understand that we're so oh, wrapped up in it do. that we could care less what's going on in our government we could care less what's going on in other countries and so therefore if we don't really care you, you know we, we're not going to find and learn because there's so much to learn in the world right now what's going yeah. on with other countries yeah um you know i homeschool my daughter and so we're we're, I'm, we're having her look at north korea and uh we just had her watch a video on venezuela what happened with Venezuela, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of what what's happening here. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm telling my daughter, like, okay, so wh- why did mommy have you watch that? And she's like, well, mom, because, you know, it can happen here and it's happening here. You know, w- but we don't mm-hmm. teach our children that. And so that's why we teach mm-hmm. them to become um, apathetic and disengaged with others. And, you know, they're not going to learn these things in public Absolutely. schools. Absolutely. You know, I was, when you were talking about uh, privilege, I, I was thinking about something that I heard uh, another somebody on another radio show the other day was talking about. They made a joke about how in some of these third world countries that <clears throat> it's pretty unlikely that there are people that are uh, gluten intolerant. <laughs> you know, and I would, I would have to, you know, I, I can't say this for sure because I've never been to any of these third world countries, but I am just guessing. You know, we're, we are hearing about food shortages. We're talking about people literally starving to death in mm-hmm. third world countries. Mm-hmm. Even the bums in this country don't starve to death. You know, even they eat like kings compared to a lot of the people in these third world countries. Mm-hmm. But I got to thinking about, and, and I was joking around with a friend of mine the other day that's a, vi- a, a vegan or a vegetarian. I don't know. I, I'm not really 100% sure what the difference is in the two. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I was telling her, I said, you know what? I said, if we were out in the middle of nowhere and we were starving and I was roasting a bunny over an open fire, I said, I bet you'd eat some of that bunny. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, these third world countries, it's like these people are just going to eat anything, that, right. any kind of food they can get. So I think it's, you know, this, this first world mentality of the vegetarianism and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and veganism and, and, and gluten-free and, and MSG-free and all of this kind of stuff. It's like, you know, you can afford to have that kind of attitude when you are privileged. But when if you're in a third world country, you're just wondering where your next meal is coming from, the, whatever it is. But on the same note, in the third world countries, um, they haven't processed their food so much like we have. They're living off the land. Yeah. Right? So there is a difference in context mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, I'm gluten intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> and our food in the Western world has been tainted. If I lived out in the wild, you know, and in third world countries, our food hasn't been... Did you know even in Africa... Would you be eating my bunny that I'm roasting over the open fire? I'd eat it right now. No. <laughs> rabbit is delicious. You know, I've never tried rabbit. I'm, it's I'm, really it's gamey, right? Want, I've tried squirrels, though. We eat lots of squirrels. Squirrel is like, amazing Squirrel well. is very tasty. But when you're hungry, you're hungry. I, I, yeah. grew, up, I grew up very poor in a very rural part of... South Louisiana, and whatever my dad mm. procured for us with his own hands is what we had to Did eat. Did he ever bring home any wild boar? I've wanted to try that. No. What does gamey bacon taste like, I wonder? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> <It does. laughs> 
<laughs> but but just in context, our, our food here, our food supply has been so altered. Um, it, it, it does do things on your body. And I think in third world countries, I mean, they don't even want to accept Monsanto's um, seeds, remember? Uh -huh. Right, yeah. You know, so... GMOs. Exactly. Yeah. So um, our culture has produced part of all these problems. Yeah. Really, with the vaccinations, with the food that we're eating, uh, with all of the metals that are in our water. And over there, they may not necessarily have all those issues. Well, you know, even these people that are vegetarians and vegans, mm -hmm. and they buy this processed stuff in the store, which is completely manufactured by some factory somewhere, mm -hmm. and God knows what's in it. Yeah. You know, where you get some patty that's got a bunch of vegetables all mushed up in it, and then it's got some kind of flavorings to make it taste like meat, and it's like, do you, you just know, eat the meat. Yeah, <laughs> just eat the meat. It's like you know, have a uh, have a hamburger. Yeah, have but a but but bacon. but I do understand that a lot of our meat supply is pumped with steroids. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, our milk, we had that. Um, so you can get more out of less. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that's why people do that. I know that for a fact, because a lot of the cows in, in Latin America and Central America, they're, they're raised over there. We as Americans don't have jurisdiction over what they put in their cows. Mm -hmm. So they pump them up with steroids and they sell them to the U.S. And as soon as they cross that border and they take one blade of grass, FDA approved. And see, so so that's kind of the whole pro the process that the FDA isn't really here for us. Yeah. But that's a whole dif different issue. <laughs> oh, well, I think we've seen that we can't trust the FDA. Uh, you, yeah, you we really can't. We can't trust the can't. FDA. We can't trust the CDC. Yeah. I mean, they're approving things for emergency authorization when there is no emergency. You know, I heard them approving some pill the other day for this supposed COVID, you know, this terrible COVID-19, which now, if you get it, whether you're vaxxed or not... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The symptoms are so mild, it's like catching a cold. And yet they're, they're approving pills with emergency authorizations yeah. for something that's not, that's mild and it's not, it's not dangerous anymore. Yeah. So, and isn't this the, the, the whole thing that you're talking about, you know, um, uh, over here, it's a game. Yeah. And it's it's a game of control. Yeah, it is. Because at, at the root of human nature, I think, is power and control. Yeah. And when you, I think a lot of us go in with the same, um, we want to do good. Yeah. Uh, but then the temptations are so great that before you know it, you're one of them. Right. Right. And now it's, it's, um, it's the haves and the haves nots really well, and if you're not in that club but they're not if oh you're no. not in that club they're going to they're, they're going to come down knocking at your door that's right right because you're not in the club yeah you got to be in the club you got to be in the club and it's very sticky because if you don't do what these guys say then you're out right and you could be out in a heartbeat right 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 and you know what that's true in everything. You know, and last week I criticized a certain political candidate, yeah. which I'm not going to mention mention him again. Thank this you. Week. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, because it's like, oh well, who's controlling your campaign? Some some shadow dweller is is running your campaign, and and you're not really coming. You're not saying your own. Kind of like Biden. You know, where yeah. he'll, he'll get up and he'll and he'll read whatever's on the teleprompter. He had no idea what was going to be on that teleprompter until he literally stood up there on that podium and looked at it. And it's like, and then he reads it, and then and then he reads the, says the most ridiculous things. And, he, and 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 then he'll say things like, "Oh, well, I'm not supposed to say that." Well, you're the you're the commander in chief. Yeah. You can say whatever you want to say. Yeah. yeah. You know, Trump certainly did. Yeah. But <laughs> hey, hey, I wanted to. Uh, I'm gonna. 
my, my other guest just popped in, so get really close to the microphone when you're talking. So my other guest is Tanya, now correct me if I pronounce this wrong, Tanya Mirabal Moya. That is correct, but uh, the correct uh, pronunciation is Mirabal. But most people oh. can't say that. Don't ask me to do that. I can't say my, that. My husband has an issue with saying that, so you're good. We're just going to call you Tanya. Is that yeah. Tanya, there we Tanya's go. Good. I like that. So, Tanya, you're running for House District 7. Yes, mm -hmm. down in Valencia County. Awesome. Glad you could join us today. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about yourself since you're in the conversation now. Um, I am a um, high school teacher, so I've mm. been teaching for probably about seven years now uh, in the school district, about 10. Um, um, so right now I am just found out I was teaching physics. Now it's going to be chemistry this year. So, so I love both the sciences. Both of them are awesome yes. subjects. I love them both. <laughs> so it's, it's just so much fun. Um, also, I coach basketball and girls on the run. And uh, which uh, is an awesome program that I, I love to empower young women. Um, so I have four kids, been married to my absolute best friend for 17 years. That's awesome. And um, so I'm pretty excited about getting into mm. um, not really the politics, but I'm excited on impacting my community. That's really why I'm doing this. Um, my, uh, my desire is to make sure that uh, we create a New Mexico where our children don't have to leave to feel successful. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, that would be a nice change. Yes. So, hey, Very we're nice. at the 30-minute break. So, um, we're going to come back. And after the break, I want to get into talking a little bit about this Greenwood Park Mall shooting. Okay. A lot of aspects to that mm. uh, that I want to dig into. So, we'll be right back. Interested in getting your concealed carry permit? Perkins Protection Training offers state-approved concealed carry classes for both New Mexico and Utah, taught by a certified NRA instructor. Local, woman-owned, and ran by husband and wife team since 2004. Individual coaching, ensuring every student learns according to their individual needs, complete with pre-class and follow-up tutoring. One-on-one, -on -one, beginner, and advanced classes also available. Mention KDAZ for 10% off class. Call 505-238-1214. That's 505-238-1214. Or on the web at Perkins Protection training.com longing to be free of pain free of pain meds to move freely and easily again call dr lynn today 505-200-0271 riverlightcommunitypt.com 505-200-0271 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Freedom Speak. That was from Peter Frampton. I love Peter Frampton. I was like a big fan of his. I, I get people say, oh, I don't like Peter Frampton. It's like, I don't know. I thought it sounded kind of cool, you know? He had the whole voice box thing going and stuff. It was really wild. Anyway, so welcome back. You're listening to Conservative Talk ABQ, KDAZ 96.9 FM and 700 AM. And you can listen streaming online at conservativetalkabq.com. You're listening to Freedom Speak. So... I'm here with my guests, Kareen Rios, Allison Martinez, and Tanya. <laughs> Tanya Moya is good, too. Tanya Moya, there we go. Tanya Moya. Uh, you know, I was reading the, an article the other day on, um, online about this shooting in Greenwood Park mm -hmm. at the mall. And it, it just got me thinking about a lot of things that are currently going on with this, <clears throat> them trying to take away assault weapons and all that kind of stuff, which they, by the way, never define what an assault weapon actually is. So basically, this guy comes into the mall and he goes into the bathroom. Apparently he brought a, uh, a rifle and it was the kind that you can take apart. So it was in like a backpack or something. Mm. So he goes in, goes into the bathroom. Apparently he's in there for over an hour and he assembles this thing. And then he comes out and he starts shooting. And there was a 22-year-old guy by the name of 22-year-old. What's his name again? It's like, why do I not see that there? They didn't say his name. Victor Go no. no. Victor Gomez was the guy that was the shooter. No, Victor Gomez oh, was the first guy to get shot. So who was the name of Elijah the guy? Elijah Dickin. Okay, that's it. Elijah Dickin. Why did I not see that here? Anyway, so Elijah Dickin happened to be there, and he was like 40 yards away from this bathroom door where the shooter came out of, and he had a, he had a concealed weapon. He uh, literally, within 15 seconds... Now, keep in mind, in this 15 seconds, this shooter had already killed three people. Mm -hmm. 15 seconds. Killed the guy that was walking into the restroom, which was another guy which actually happened to be a concealed carry permit holder, but he had no chance at all. I mean, he literally mm -hmm. just got blindsided. And then two other people. <clears throat> but anyway, this Dickens guy draws his weapon from 40 yards away. And I'm telling you, this shooter, it took, took a lot to take him down. He fired at this guy 10 times, hit him eight times before he finally well, went a, down. Did he have a uh, vest on or something? I don't know. They didn't say. Oh. So, but it took eight hits to take him down. Now, this gets me thinking a lot about, about a lot of things, okay? You have... Joe Biden, his administration, trying to go after what he calls high-capacity magazines. Okay, what's the definition of a high-capacity magazine? Okay, in his definition of a high-capacity magazine, that includes pretty much almost every semi-auto <clears throat> handgun rifle that is on the market. You know, like, I've got a number of, a number of guns, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and the one I carry with me is a 9mm, and it carries like 15 rounds. Okay? He considers that a high-capacity magazine. But look at this example here. Mm -hmm. This was only one shooter, and it took eight hits on this guy to take him down. Now, 
So a high-capacity magazine was required in order to stop this guy. Mm -hmm. Now, if this guy had not been stopped, mm. he could have massacred yep. almost everybody in that Would food court. Would have been court. a lot worse. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So in contrast to the thing that happened in Uvalde, Texas mm -hmm. the other day, okay, if you think <clears throat> that when something like this happened, when sec literally seconds count, mm -hmm. 15 seconds, this guy killed three people. Mm -hmm. If you think that you're going to expect the cops to come and save you, number one, that's mm -hmm. not their job is to come and save you because they, they just can't get there in time. The cops, if they would have been called, may have showed up maybe at best. Now, in the case of Uvalde, they showed up within several minutes, mm -hmm. which was a pretty good response time, actually. But in several minutes, uh, that guy could have already expended all the ammunition that he had and probably killed everybody in the food court. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody that's a halfway decent shot can do that. Yeah. But this guy hit this guy from 40 yards away with a handgun. That, that's amazing. I, it's almost it half is. of a football. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a really, really good shooter, and I can make that shot. But boy, eight hits in 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 15 seconds. I mean, wow. In a real time situation. In a real time like high stress situation high stress, in which yeah. you are potentially being shot back at. And Incredible. no one had time to call the cops. Nobody. Yeah. Right. Nobody. Yeah. So they weren't even alerted. So no help was not coming at right. this point. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not at Three all. Three dead. No help coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, and you contrast that to the situation in Uvalde, in which literally a couple of hundred cops showed up, from what I understand. And what did they do? They were at close range. They were just outside the door of this classroom. And they were just hanging around out there. I don't, I, I mean, why are 200 cops hanging around? It's like, to deal with that situation, one or two cops would have easily been able to handle that situation. Yes. You know, it, it, if I would have been there in that situation, I would have said, okay, um, we got to stop this guy like now, okay? He's killing people. He's he's shooting little children in this room. Okay, can I stop there? Yes, you can. Um, so I haven't really kept up. I mean, I, I know the gist, but I don't know the details because the details are kind of ugly, and sometimes I don't want to look at the ugly. So mm -hmm. was the shooter at the school in one classroom? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so he was kind of contained. He, yes. They knew where he was. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're correct. They knew what classroom he was so in. So they... So did he kill children immediately, like boom, 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 or like one at a time, and there was space in between the killings? Does anybody know that? I don't know that all of those details have been released yet, but okay. what, what I have heard on, you know, just through news is that the shooting went on for several minutes. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just all at once. And the thing is, they, from mm. what I understand, somebody actually saw this guy going into the school and they didn't stop him before he got into the school, not to mention the door was propped wide open for him to just walk right in right. Mm -hmm. for some reason. But he, they saw him when he was going in yeah. and they didn't stop him outside. Yeah. And then he got in and the shooting's going on and they're standing outside the door doing nothing. Now, was there a, a call to stand down? So I've asked several people. I don't think that those details have been released, released. yet. Oh, and then and then one of the uh, the one of the teachers that was in the room apparently one of the the cops that was outside the door it was his wife. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry if if 
I think that if one of you guys had a husband that was standing outside the door while your life was being threatened and mm -hmm. did nothing about it, uh, and you survived, uh, a divorce would be following that. <laughs> a divorce would be following that situation. Well, when I when I heard about that, yeah. my husband flat out said, uh, "Yeah, I would have. I don't care what I would have done. Uh, you're on the other side of that. I'm getting in. You're there. going in. I'm going in there. Yeah, like, and, and there's no way I'm going to let you do this on your own. Right. <laughs> if if somebody that I loved was in that room mm -hmm. and I was outside the door, I I would have told these people, "You're going to have to kill me to stop me. Mm -hmm. I'm going in there right now." And you exactly. know what? I think most people certainly feel that way yeah. and I'm sure most of those guys that day felt that way what I think is that bureaucracy intervened in this That's situation what I think. in to a level you know that is really unthinkable and I, and I, I think about those men and women that were there waiting outside feeling like their hands were tied and they can't go in for whatever reason, whatever orders they had. Yeah, that's Th why they, I asked. Yeah. They probably can't yeah. sleep well at night. I'm sure it's been traumatic for yeah. them to know that they could have done could something have and, and, and didn't. didn't at that point. But at what well, point, I mean, at see this point. is for me, at what point do you disobey in order to save lives. And, right. and, and I'm military, so I, I understand the protocol of just going by orders. Mm -hmm. That's why I asked, were they told to stand down? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? And so then, but then another part of me is like, okay, at what point do you civilly disobey stuff like that to save somebody? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I know my husband, because I know my husband, I've been married 38 years. Mm -hmm. He would absolutely be disobedient to the authority of, of the government to save my life or his family's life. Yeah, I would too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, but, but then again, I, I, that's why I asked. I, I think it's very important that we all know the facts so that we don't um, blame them or accuse them unjustly. But then, then, then there's the moral issue, you know. Do I you, know enough of the facts to know that I think what well, these, were they stand, I think those guys were pathetic. That's just my opinion. I know, but were they told to... I, I don't I, care what they were told. I understand that, but <laughs> I, that, don't care. I know. But for me, it helps me yeah. understand a little bit. Yeah. Uh, do, uh, do I still think they were cowardly? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but it yeah. helps us just kind of understand and have compassion. That, that's for me. You know, we had this guy in the mall, this Elijah Elijah Dickens. He could have ran away. Absolutely. Okay. But mm -hmm. no, what did he do? He stood there. And he, and he tried to save people. And he did. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm certain he saved a lot and of people. That's really a, a, a testimony and to his, his convictions yeah. and his moral conviction. Right. And we're talking about a guy here that's a civilian. Mm -hmm. And from what I'm hearing, he wasn't ex-military or anything right, like that. Correct. Didn't have any kind of military training. He, was, he didn't have... Uh, he was at a disadvantage. I mean, he was going up against somebody with a, with a rifle, yeah. which, you know, at, at that range, mm -hmm. you're at a disadvantage. He didn't have any, any, uh, any special training. He didn't have a, a, uh, a shield like these cops had. Right. You know, they had all, the, all kinds of equipment. There was tons of them, you know, and they had all this equipment, all this training, all these weapons, and yet this one guy managed to stop a shooter in 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I was talking to uh, I think Alice. that's moral clarity. Yeah. You know is. what I mean? Yeah. Really, think about that. Moral clarity with boldness and conviction to do what you have to do to, to stomp out evil. And that yeah. was evil what that gentleman did. Yeah. Oh, totally. But you know what? We never want to blame the person that people and, or even that there's evil in the world because that's what we've been indoctrinated with. But I think with this young gentleman, I think there is a, there is a rise of young people, young Americans who are doing that. They are getting armored up because they see what is, what is about to come. You know, my son is 20, and in 2020, um, we were out there protesting in Rio Rancho. I think you were there, the, the guy with the signs on Idelia. Probably. Probably. And uh, there were, (laughs) you know, there's a bunch of young men, brave men who have really, I don't know if it's Gen Z, Gen X, Y, L, M, N, O, P. I don't know what if it's, if they're not millennials. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. (laughs) You you know, who take this seriously and who take um, uh, taking care of other people seriously. And I think we're going to see more of that. I really, truly do. I hope My my 24-year-old is the same way. Absolutely. That's my son right now. He's he's like, nope. He goes, I will, I will be there to fight for the people that can't fight for themselves. Yeah, so absolutely. And I think that that's what we're seeing right here with this young man. And I think um, if we would all just be like Israel and just open carry without having to go to school to co- a class for conceal, um, I think that would change a lot. But, you know, we're so afraid of guns than we are of actual people. <laughs> well, and I think guns, we need to realize that guns not the issue. Right. Uh, because I grew up, okay, I grew up in Valencia County. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, most of the trucks, if not all, had a rifle or a couple of rifles yep. on the back of the truck at school. And there were no shootings. Nobody ever, like, people still fought. They still mm-hmm. disagreed. They still did everything. But nobody ever thought to shoot someone. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we've lost that value for life. Yep. Yes, ma'am. And I think that is it. It is it is in here. Mm-hmm. It is not out there. You're right. That, that, that's the it's issue. Not, it's not gun violence. It's people violence. Yeah. It's yeah. people that they don't value your life. Like yes. it, it's, I'm mad at you. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't agree with your, your opinions. I don't agree with your point of view or whatever. Then I, sh- I need to destroy you. Yeah. Not just disagree. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. That it's, so we've lost that value for life. Yep. And it starts sometimes from the top down. When you're killing babies in the womb up to nine months, that's... What does that show our children? Yep. Really, what does that show our children? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Especially know. those ones... And call it a decision. Exactly. <laughs> Especially those children who are, are not being led by godly parents, who yeah. are, whose parents are absent. They're, they're going to follow somebody, something. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. so um, it, it, it is because we, we have just totally uh, not valued life. You know, the thing about you know, them constantly demonizing guns. Well, ultimately what they want to do is they want to take away our guns. Correct. One, one way I heard guns described is in, in the, in the context of using for self-defense is a gun is a, is the great equalizer. Okay. Mm -hmm. So basically let's say for instance, uh, you've got, uh, you know, one of you had some big guy coming at you that weighs like 250 pounds mm-hmm. and he's like uh, huge and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. Mm-hmm. He don't need a weapon. Right. He can kill you with his bare hands. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to fight back? Are you going to be able to, to, to overwhelm this guy? No. Right. Me? I mean, yeah. I mean, he's going to kill me. It's yep. like, unless I have something that gives me an advantage. Mm-hmm. And when you're a law-abiding citizen and you're carrying a, a firearm, I carry one concealed all the time, you know, and 
something like this happens where they're, they're coming at you with their bare hands because they're huge and, and, and they said they're going to kill you. It's like you have a chance. Mm -hmm. Or if they even have, if, if they have a knife or something like that, do, it gives me the chance to, okay, this is the bad guy. This, is a, this guy is assaulting me. And this gives me a chance to defend myself. I, sh I have the right to do that. Mm -hmm. According to our constitution in this country, I have a right to do mm -hmm. that. That's right. Now... So can I ask you a quick question? Yes, go ahead. What? You, you conceal carry? Yes. Why, why do you conceal? Okay, so... Because we have the right to just open carry. We do. And, I, and sometimes I open carry. Okay. But... Like there are some places, uh, like private businesses, things like that. They oh, okay. they don't allow you to open carry, and they're allowed. To, I, oh. They're allowed to do that. They're allowed oh, to okay, say, okay. you know. But if you're concealed carrying, it's like and it's unseen. They don't care, you know. But okay. another thing about being concealed carry is that if you're open carrying and you've got a shooter in a place and he sees the guy with a mm. gun on the, he's going to shoot him first. Oh, got it. Okay. See? So it's better to be kind of incognito on that. It's like, okay, well, then they don't know. And it's like, you want these potential criminals and people that are going to want to try to kill people. You want them wondering, I wonder if I go out there if every single person in that mm. room has a concealed weapon. Right. I okay. wonder if they do. They're going to be less likely to try to do it if they know that, wow, potentially every single person in that room has a gun and I don't know it. Uh, there was a movie I watched, mm. I can't remember, where they were on a train or something and some, some thug was getting ready to assault this person on the train and then he hears behind him, click, 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 click. And he turns <laughs> around and looks and every single person on the train has a gun pointed at him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> uh, mistake. <laughs> and that picture that you just painted? Yeah is exactly the purpose of the Second Amendment, why it was created, yeah. to keep our freedom, our individual freedom and our life. Yeah, and I wanna talk about, and I talked about this, I, I was telling Allison about this before the show today, about the meanings of the words well-regulated mm -hmm. in the Constitution, which gets completely distorted by a lot of corrupt politicians that wanna take away your Second Amendment right. They try to make you believe that Regulated means, oh, the government is going to tell you what you can carry, mm -hmm. what you can't carry, when you can carry it, yep. how many rounds you can have in your magazine, all this other nonsense. But, you know, if you read the entire Second Amendment, you can see that, well, that would be a total contra contradiction. That makes no sense whatsoever. Well-regulated means well-practiced. Right. Okay, this guy in Indiana, he was well-regulated. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. because he was competent, proficient yep. with that gun, and he was able to efficiently use it in a time of crisis. Yep. So that's a perfect example of well-regulated. Good point. Yeah, that is a good point. Totally. Yep. Totally. And but, I, but you know what that requires? Yeah. Self-control, uh, self-discipline, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people in this country lack that. That's true. And you know, honestly, a lot of, uh, from what I understand, a lot of uh, police officers out there are not well-regulated. They don't practice on a regular basis. And you know, realistically, if you're a cop and you're out there, you hope that in your entire career as being a cop, you'll never have to draw your gun and use it. Mm -hmm. Sure. You mm -hmm. hope. Yeah. But you have to be ready. Yeah. You know, it's like I go practice on a regular basis. If I ever have to use my gun, which I hope I never have to, 
I'm going to be very good at using it. I'm very, very good. Yeah, because practice just makes it come automatically when that situation arises. Exactly. So that's why you practice. Exactly. Right? And yeah. yes, that's exactly why. And so I practice everything. I, tra I practice on quick drawing mm. my gun and firing with, with no hesitation whatsoever. I practice on precision aiming. So if, like, if it's further away, you know, like this guy, 40 yards. I can do 40 yards. Yeah. But it, it's, most people can't. Yeah. I, I, I used to play basketball. Mm -hmm. At four, nine and a half. And <laughs> <laughs> so I would have to practice those layups against taller people. You can actually do a layup? Yeah. You know, I was mm -hmm. doing three points. You point must be able to jump really high. No, not it doesn't. A layup doesn't require jumping high. It just requires the right form. Am mm -hmm. I right? Yep. Uh, right? Okay. And doing the same form over and over again so that when you're in a game, you just do it's it instant. automatically, right? And right. so practicing and shooting, why a lot of people go practice shooting a gun, yeah. is so that when they get in a situation like that, they are self-disciplined to just not think about, oh my gosh, should I take out a gun? Oh my gosh, I'm going to kill a person. Oh my God. It's just automatic. Right. Right. And that's the problem that we have, um, that we're, we're just not self-disciplined and self-regulated to do those things. Correct. See, and I really am concerned about that because I have family members, won't name them, um, that <laughs> they have lots of guns yeah, yeah. and they h never shoot them. Mm. Yeah, like see. one of them, um, uh, you know, she, she likes the pretty guns, you know, and so she goes out there and she gets her pretty gun. And I said, oh, when do we get to go shoot it? And she was like, oh, I'm not going to shoot I've it. I've got a pretty gun in my purse. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah. it's like, she goes, I'm not going to shoot it. And I said, well, how are you yeah. ever going to know how to use it if mm -hmm. you need it? Right. Oh, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, you're dangerous. See, I know a lot of people. <laughs> like that. Yeah, that that would make me yeah. nervous because well, if you don't know how to use the tool, that's where you're going to hurt you someone go. that shouldn't mm -hmm. be. Well, hurt. and there's multiple things wrong mm -hmm. with that. Okay, for starters, you have to fire your gun from so from you know on a regular basis to keep it in good working order. Yes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like one thing I do is like my. My gun, my concealed carry weapon, obviously, I've, I've never had to shoot anybody with it, you know? Hope I never do. But at the same time, every so often, I'll take it out, I'll pop the magazine out, I'll take all the ammunition out of the magazine because it's got a spring loaded in it. That's like, and it's like you just leave it in there for years. It's like it may not feed properly when you, if you exactly. ever have to use it. Exactly. So take all the ammunition out of it, cycle everything. Maybe if you have to, uh, put a little bit of oil in the gun, make sure everything's moving really smoothly, mm -hmm. and then reload it, and then and then pop the magazine back in. You have to do that, and and then you have to shoot it every once in a while. Exactly. You know, you have to. It's like num your gun has to be operating, you know, in good operating condition, and you have to also be proficient at using it. Mm-hmm. And I need some practice. <laughs> yeah, well, you can go with me anytime you want. I have guns. I, I'm not going to, you know, but my husband's responsible for all that, but maybe I ought to get responsible too. Well, you should. Right? You should. Here I am being apathetic. There, there right? you are. So you can't count on somebody else to do it for well, you. Well, he does my car, so. Yeah, kind of reminds me of uh, the a thing I did last week where I was talking about these people, this man on the street interview in which these people, he was coming up and asking people about how many stars are on the American flag, and most people didn't know. Mm. And, and so... Hmm. And then one woman, it's like, well, I don't know. I'll have to ask my husband. It's like, what? You, yeah. Your husband is your is your brain. You don't do any <laughs> thinking on your own. <laughs> really? <laughs> <clears throat> yes. We're not going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Anyway, so you have to be you have to be well practiced. Yeah. You have to keep your, your your gun in good operating condition, like any other tool. Like tool. I like it's how you said it. It was a tool. It's a tool. Yeah. That's what a gun is. It's you know, it's a tool. Yeah. And like any other tool, if a tool is sitting here on the table, it's not going to do anything. It, it's not it going to. It's not going to hurt you. It's right? not going to do. Right. I can I can put a knife here, and no one ever is, is going to get stabbed That's until right. someone picks it up and uses there's it. There's no yeah. such thing as gun violence. Yeah. There's no such yes. thing as knife violence. There are people. There's people violence. And there's been yeah. plenty of violence where they've drove cars in. The, or trucks in the right. middle of a crowd. What do you do, used, outlaw cars? Yeah, so they, they used a pressure cooker at the at the at the Boston Marathon. Oh my Marathon. God, those are dangerous. Yeah, yes. and uh -huh. and so they so they're going to use something else. If you have a mm. desire to hurt people, you'll find then anything. You will you will find a way to hurt people. Even your exactly. own hands, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So so like I said, having a gun, being a responsible gun owner, being a law-abiding citizen as a responsible gun owner, it's the great equalizer against somebody that is going to be a criminal that wants to kill people. Mm -hmm. And right. it's like and you take even if even if and in countries where they've done this where they've managed to take away all the guns, mm -hmm. People find other ways to kill people. Mm -hmm. I, there are always and there's still guns on uh, the criminal element. Yeah, still has yeah, the guns. Criminals are going to get guns. They're right? going to make guns. They're going to figure yep. out some way. Absolutely, because they don't obey the laws. Yeah. So they're not going to bring their guns for a buyback. Hell for two hundred dollars? That's right. No, you know they can go rob somebody for thousands of dollars. Why take your gun for two hundred? Right. They have them. You're only taking them away from the people that would never use them for that purpose. So obviously. then here we go. What is the purpose of unarming um, uh, law-abiding citizens? Mm -hmm. To control them. Yeah. To control them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, because I always uh, there's plenty of conversations that I've asked, and they were they're like, well, why does anyone need uh, uh, um, an assault rifle? And I said, ask the Ukraine that. Well, you know what you you know what you like, do when they say that you should say what is an assault rifle? Yeah, because they don't even Can know you what it is. That for me, they have no idea what an These assault rifle is. These politicians haven't even defined no. it. Mm -hmm. They don't even know what an assault rifle is. Mm -hmm. That's like what is it? Is is it a gun that's black? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that racist? Yeah. <laughs> You're racist towards this. <laughs> exactly. You're racist towards but, black guns. But that's the thing is like, I'm sorry, as, as much as in the in the recent history where a lot of our freedoms are get already getting taken away and we're willingly giving it to them, don't tell me that later on they're going to start getting more. They're going to take more. Of and, course they are. Yeah, yeah. Because they know, hey, it's, it's, it's that little bit. I took this inch. Okay, so I can't take a whole mile because you're going to fight me on the mile. But if I take it inch by inch, it might be a decade. And it might be a two decades, but then I still took it. All you know? under the guise of it's for your own good. Yeah, I'm trying to take right? care of you. No, thanks. I'll take care of you. Well, yeah. just like a statement Joe made the other day when they passed this gun bill, which I I think those Republicans that voted for that need to be primaried on the next election. Exactly. They, need to be, mm -hmm. they need to be out. He made a statement, well, it's a good start. Of course, yeah, it's a right. good start because we know your ultimate goal is to take the guns all away. Mm -hmm. yep. That's your ultimate goal. Yep. So this is just whittling away at it more. And so... The, the, when it says shall not be infringed, I was listening to Jim Jordan the other day talking about, and he's a constitutionalist, and mm -hmm. he said, no, this is unconstitutional. This is infringement. What do you not understand about yeah. shall not be infringed? It's very, very simple and easy to understand. And the Second Amendment's really, really short, and it's very to the point. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we are at the break, and we're going to be going into the second hour. And in the second hour, I want to talk about the meaning of the U.S. flag. And then we're also going to get into the meaning of general welfare. We'll be right back. <laughs> 